Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richie. Beyond Walker. Pew. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Cherries limped over the finish line against Stoke City on Saturday in a display which has single-handedly managed to erode any optimism ahead of a playoff semi-final against an informed Brentford. We all wanted it to be Swansea. That performance means it's not. On this show, myself, Sam Davis... And Jeff Hayward, Mr. Tiggs and Neil Dawson, we dissect the game with vigour and determination. Well, somebody had to put in a shift this weekend, eh? Last week after Wickham, Woodgate was almost flippant in his post-match interview. This week, he says, we're going to give it our best shot. A far cry from the buoyant figure then that stood before us during our seven-game unbeaten spell. Are the mind games starting already? Are we trying to Darren Brown them? In this pod, we analyse the Stoke game, find out what went wrong and what needs switching. Plus, we question the heart and desire that seems to dissipate throughout the side when certain key players are not of the races. And what of Brentford? What are they going to be thinking after being as good as confident of facing Barnsley or Swansea in the semis? Now, it's Bournemouth. Yes, they've beaten us twice, but will they bottle it again? Well, who knows? We're underdogs, let's face it. Sometimes, and often actually, that works in our favour. But do they think that? Let's find out with the panel for a wholehearted discussion about Saturday's game and the matches to come. With me, we've got the panel of Jeff Hayward. Jeff, how are you? Less than stoked for the playoffs after yesterday. You're driving me potty with that, Jeff. No, that doesn't work, does it? Uh, Tiggs is here as well. Tiggs, how are you? 
Yeah, Stoke City wasn't pretty. Uh, <laughs> here's hoping in the playoffs we're not choking. <laughs> you could have you could have chosen something wrong with pretty, but no. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got Neil Dawson here as well. Neil, how are you? I'm all right, but I'm gutted now because I've not come up with any... St- I was trying to work Burslem into a joke, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, we'll start with you. How are you feeling after yesterday? Because we were all expecting a win and we got a similar performance to Wickham. Yeah, um, very flat. But on reflection, it's a masterclass in managing expectations and getting Brentford to get really complacent. Takes mm. the best, best positive spin I think you can put on it. Tiggs, how are you how are you doing after yesterday? Because it's just uh, the feeling of optimism that we had two games ago is just gone. Yeah, it's a slow drain, isn't it? You know, kind of three games in a row as we hit that kind of downward spiral again that we, we've hit several times in the season. And then we've pinged back up again. It's just whether now we are going to ping back up for the Brentford game. Mm. And Neil, we've got the opponents that none of us really wanted over two legs. So what are your thoughts on that? No, um, desperately keen to avoid Brentford, uh, if we could. Um, uh, I thought it was all set up really nicely um, because unless we have, if we'd avoided a disaster yesterday, which we should have, uh, we'd have had Swansea. Um, Brentford would then have played Barnsley. Barnsley beat Brentford on aggregate over two games. They, they, Brentford are similar to us, are a footballing side. They don't really like getting stuck into I'd have fancied Barnsley over two legs with Brentford's playoff hoodoo. And then we'd have had Barnsley on a big Wembley pitch um, with better footballers. So uh, to me, it was all set up beautifully. And now I'm thinking, hmm, that's not quite how I wanted it to go. But do matches like yesterday prove the fact that maybe we do need them over two legs because we are so capable of a performance like that? At least we give ourselves another chance. Neil? Uh yeah, there's one. It's one way of looking at it. Um, so, and I think we got a clutch at straws. Uh, I just think um, we didn't. We didn't beat them on both the games we played them this year, did we? They beat us twice, um, and once with ten men. So, I just think they're a similar side to us, but they're better. They've got more team spirit, more cohesion. They're better. They've got better players, but they're just they're better managed. Um, so. Yeah, I would have rather took the punt that someone else had a chance to knock them out first because that gives you a 50-50 opportunity. But yeah, you're right. I guess we could, we, we've got a chance to put something right if we get it wrong in one game. Jeff Woodgate, as I alluded to earlier, said we'll give it our best shot. He said it's massive for the football club, it's massive for the players, it's massive for myself. When I came in, the objective was to finish in the playoffs and we've done that by seven points. If you're winning seven out of ten games, then you're doing okay. We don't want to lose any games that we play, but that will have nothing to do with the playoffs. What do you make of his post-match comments there? Um, I think he's trying to stay upbeat, trying to give the players a bit of confidence when what you see on the pitch is confidence sadly lacking. We're back to that um, where where we couldn't score uh, just before the big run and then suddenly we're scoring three goals a game or averaging three goals a game and then suddenly we're back to, yeah, we, we don't know how to get the ball in the net and, and that, that looks... Um, that looked problematic yesterday. If if Brentford, I mean, look, 
um, Stoke played a game, a game plan that we have seen many times this season from the opposition. Very well organised. They played deep. They were niggly. They were um, physical with us. And they um, they capitalised on our weakness at a set piece to score their goal. And, you know, I, I, I've lost count of how many times I've seen that. So how to stay positive after that? Well, Woodgate did what he could, really. You know, it's it's not ideal by a long stretch. And he must be scratching his head thinking, is this the same team that smashed, you know, Norwich, Burn, um, yeah. Millwall, um, you know, I, I exasperated. I think it's probably Jonathan Woodgate's frame of mind. Yeah, I think so. And after a day of staring at a screen yesterday, I must say, whoever's got a window open, I'm loving the bird song in the background. I feel at one with nature again. Well, I think that's me. Yeah, I think that's I know. me. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, Tiggs. So we gave the key players a rest against Wickham, but that hasn't really worked because the mentality of having a break seems to have affected the players that did get a break as well because they looked cold, they didn't look sharp. I won't say they didn't look as though they cared, but they just didn't look on it whatsoever. It's a far cry from what we were witnessing, say, three, four weeks ago. Yeah, I, I watched a bit of the Quest show um, mm. before, I, before I came to suit you guys stay in. And uh, Colin Fair Murray... For finding it. Fair play for finding it, because I've got no idea whereabouts on the EPG that is. It's like 100 and something, isn't it? Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, but the, Colin Murray on there said that uh, he thinks that Bournemouth just switched off because their season was over. And he still thinks that we've got a good chance. It was interesting what Jeff was saying about Woodgate. I think uh, when he first arrived, he was able to be quite brutally honest about the situation ahead of him, uh, the quietness in the dressing room, etc., how the players are not really uh, lifting themselves. And now his answers are so much more diplomatic, aren't they? Uh, because he, you know, it, it's his job to hold on to potentially. Um, so I do find that interesting. I do wonder if we've gone back to that quiet dressing room that he first sort of pointed out, which some people have said that it might have been putting uh, Tyndall's head on the chopping block a little bit there with that one. So, um, yeah, it is. it does seem to be down to character, doesn't it, rather than quality. We know we've got quality. Um, and going in against Brentford, I agree with Neil, ugh, you know, we've lost twice already to them. We've got to play them twice. It would have been nice if we could have softened, some, softened them up a little bit, either by playing Barnsley or Swansea. I think that would have been that would have been nicer. It's frustrating, Neil, isn't it? Because we're going into a match now with more questions than answers, and that's yeah. and that's really scary. And it's not just you know overall tactically. We're looking at individuals now. We're thinking, you know, David Brooks. He's this player that uh, ex players and former players have waxed lyrical about being the most natural talent in the team. We're not seeing it. Arguably, haven't seen it much this season. Only in in spells, and. You know, collectively, as a team, we weren't on it. Dan Juma was very quiet as well. Uh, you know, Jonathan Woodgate's got a busy old nine days to try to work this out, hasn't he? Yeah, that was what was interesting us yesterday watching it. It was just, we were to- we were talking about how often a eight-yard pass um, couldn't be made. So the amount of times David Brooks was particularly bad at it, where he cut inside and he just passed it to nobody. We were saying, look, we had players in our league two days that were one-eighth of the talent of David Brooks that used to find passes like that. So is that a confidence thing? Is that that he thinks someone's going to be there? It's a tactical thing and they're not there. I don't don't know what it is, but it's an absolute mystery. But we've been dogged with it for 24 months. Then we managed to get ourselves out of it. And that is a question I, I think we'll all always have, is why did he 
decide to take the momentum away by resting the players. Because I think had he had we carried on, we'd have won two of a two of those three games and we'd have been playing Swansea. So, you know, that that's a question we'll only know the answer once we get to the end of the season as to whether or not it was the correct thing to do to rest a few legs. But on the uh, when you look at it now, you just think it was a strange thing momentum wise. So I think that's the side that we all agreed should start the playoffs. Um, there's the, I suppose the only debate is maybe David Brooks, but I think we all normally agree that Junior Stanislas doesn't do the job on the right that he does on the left, and Dan yeah. Juma has to start on the left. I don't think Wilshire offers more than um, Billing or Pearson. So that is that is the side. Stacey Smith, you know, but that ain't going to make a big difference. So that's the side. So he's got to work in the next nine days on how do they get the pace and zip back and how do they make eight-yard passes to themselves? Tiggs, certain players, when they're not on it, it seems to just reflect throughout the side. Talking Dan Juma, Dom Solanke. I think he showed his quality yesterday in what he does with his hold-up play and he comes and collects the ball and he can hold it up relatively well. Uh, something that wasn't done particularly well against the, uh, against Wickham when we played them. But when those players are not on it, and Brooks as well on the other side, it seems like it just reverberates throughout the whole side. And like Neil said, simple four, five-yard passes just, you know, just weren't finding a man in a red and black shirt. Yeah, I think as well, I think... You know, our purple patch coincided with Billing and Dan Juma playing so, so well. I think Dom has been reasonably consistent, to be honest. You know, he, he does what he does. Yeah. Uh, as you said, Sam, he holds the ball up well. He's not going to get you a hat full of goals, but he gets in and around it. Um, but it's the other two. And what I feel is over the last three games is we've kind of been found out a little bit on the other two. Dan Juma got no space, really, in the last three games at all. And when you take away Kelly, he lost that outlet. Now, we've... we've not played Kelly. Now Kelly's come back fit. And now those two have now got to get that partnership going again. But teams teams have worked us out, haven't they? Yeah. And what's worrying is when we go back to the Brooks point, is that's our other outlet, but he's not, he's just not firing. He's getting a lot more space, a lot more time on the ball. Uh, you know, he's taking it across the across the fit pitch to try and find Dan Juma, but Dan Juma won't get found. So it's having other options, I think, for us to attack with. I think the plan B aspect of things is is always been lacking all season under both managers. So maybe that's something that I really hope Jonathan Woodgate looks at something that we can change it up because I think we are found out a little bit by a lot of teams now. And if any, if any individual set piece, Jeff summed up our season, that David Brooks corner in the first half was probably it, wasn't it? Was that the one that went for a throw in or yeah. was that the one where he landed it on Lerma's head and Lerma missed a header from the centre of the goal? I mean, it, that's, that's how frustrating. You can put in a really good corner or you can put in a terrible one. And that's the, that's our set pieces this season summed up summed up in two. Well, in fact, it's more it's been more the going for the throw-ins rather than actually landing on someone's head in the six-yard box. Um, I mean, I actually got quite excited when we nearly scored from a corner yesterday for the first time this yeah. season. However, I think I think the other thing that's that we've talked about a lot this season is how mentally weak our players are. There was definitely a sense they got bullied yesterday by Stoke. I thought Solanke got a really tough game from that uh, centre half. Um, it was he was chatting to him all through the game. He was he was not giving him any space. Made it really difficult. And um, every time every time we got the ball past them, foul. You know it was yeah. it was. 
it was uh, ruthless, the efficiency of how they stopped us playing. And when we're not in that rhythm, that's when we start not being able to pass the ball to each other. You know, it, um, however, you know, I looked at the foul count yesterday for Barnsley against Norwich. Barnsley fouled Norwich 23 times, which was six times more than Stoke played us. I mean, it's a, it's a tactic. That's what you do against footballing teams. You foul them. Mm. And I just don't think we're as good as Norwich are at coping with it. Mm. Yeah. Talk us through the goal then, Neil, because it came after, what, 36 minutes, Forrester with the finish, and didn't it start from a corner? Yeah, yeah, it was a corner. Um, uh, Jefferson Lerma made an absolute hash of the uh, clearance, which is unlike him because he normally puts a lot of distance on his clearances. Uh, he sort of swung a, swung a lazy leg at it um, and... Uh, Missed the ball completely, and then uh, you know it's one of those ones that if it was if it wasn't against your own side, you'd be delighted, wouldn't you? Because lad from the youth team on his debut, fantastic finish for a centre half, swivelled and dipped a volley in. Um, so yeah, for everyone else in the country, what a wonderful moment! Apart from us, mm. and I, I don't know why takes, but at that moment, I just knew the right was on the wall for the game. It just didn't it didn't feel like we were going to offer anything, and we didn't. There was no reaction at all. No, it was quite downbeat, wasn't it? Um, somebody said uh, on the watch along chat yesterday, why aren't they smiling? This was before the goal went in. Why aren't they smiling or anything? Why why does everyone look so grumpy? And they did look a bit grumpy yesterday. And it, it does remind me of earlier on in the season when you know the, the people were saying, Why aren't we celebrating goals, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um it was interesting that Lerma at four I didn't Lerma didn't have a great game yesterday. Um and and, and Neil said this before. No, exactly. And Neil said this before, when we went through a bad patch, Lerma was the player whose form dropped off the, the most, probably. Um, and he still didn't look as the worst on the pitch, but you know, it just shows you how much we need him. There was a definite gap for me in that kind of left side of the, of the uh, pitch where um, Kelly has come forward to help Dan Juma and then, then you know, Lerma doesn't know whether to go or go with his runner. And then I think that's probably what led us to the, the foul, which... Um, we're all a little bit worried, weren't we, about Stephen Cook getting yeah. potentially mm. another yellow later in the game. Mm. So we wanted a reaction, Jeff. We didn't get one, but the stats throughout the whole game didn't really favour us. We got, you know, the most we got seventy six percent of possession, only one shot on target. Worrying. Mm. Yeah. Compare that as well to the Brentford stats from yesterday. 75% possession, 15 shots, eight on target or something, maybe six on target. But, you know, it's it, it's different to, to have all that possession. If you watch that game again, I mean, not that anybody would really want to, you would see so many times we pass the ball back along the back four. You know, it's that whole U-shape thing that nearly you talked about in the past. We did, we did that constantly yesterday. And I was watching it thinking... There are so many times the inside pass to a midfielder was on, but instead we pass it back. Yeah. And it it's almost, it's it's a breathtaking lack of confidence that's, that's, that's affecting players and their decision-making. You know, why, why not play the ball forward? And sometimes, you know, we get the ball wide, um, wide right. I remember watching the first half maybe when Smiths gets down there and then the ball goes all the way back. We turn back and it goes along to the back four again, and you think, just what what is going on? It's it's not possession at all costs. It's actually about creating opportunities, and we just seem bereft of ideas. It feel it it felt like watching netball at times in terms of the fact that you know you sort of 
make a pass and then you don't move. And then you can move a bit later. It felt very disjointed. I'm not deriding netball whatsoever because I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Just thought I'd put that in there. But that's what it felt like. It felt like watching um, players were, were passing to each other, but there was no pass and move. There was no dynamism. Usually we'd be making the forward runs making triangles but there was none of that people just standing and admiring their passes and it was happening throughout the side and Stoke yeah you know they did a number on us completely and we should probably give them credit Neil. I thought you were going to say because there was a tall girl up front. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah yeah. (laughs) The um yeah, well, Michael O'Neill is a is a he's a sort of manager that you know when we float names around and everyone says, well, who are we ever going to get come come here? Which always annoys me when fans say that. You know, we we should just accept Tyndall and Woodgate because no one else would have us. You know, Michael O'Neill is a really prime example of if you want to if you want to get a manager that 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 get football teams functioning and playing. Mm. Once you give them a better squad of players, because look at look at the job some people like that do with you know we, we've been done over like Jeff said we've been done over a number of times by managers that know how to play the game in the championship. If they've been given the squad of players that we've got, uh, you know you, they we, they would have organised us enough to have got automatic promotion. And Michael O'Neill probably sits in that number because he's you know Steve Robinson when we had him on the on the uh, on the Sunday show he he wax lyrical about him didn't he so yeah. he, he knows what to do he gets a lesser group of players um in the same way that a number of championship managers do they know how to play against Bournemouth everyone sussed out Dan Juma now um we can see that in the last three games they all double and treble up on him because they know that Solanke is, is has not got the talent to um dr- drag the game up by the scruff of the neck and David Brooks is off form so you know Brentford will be no different so that's why if if we were to be really radical, maybe we need to change things around a bit. Maybe we need to put Stanislas on the left if he's fit and put Dan Juma up front or just do something that people aren't expecting because I think that's probably our best chance. We won't. We'll go with the the side that played those seven games and won them. But I think that might, you know, we might end up regretting that. But yeah, Michael O'Neill does what Michael O'Neill does and Stoke were well organised and they won. And Tiggs, talk me through the second goal for Stoke. I think it was Smith that scored it. I can't really remember the build-up. So for everyone at home, how did it go? Uh, I can't remember it very well either. I think I kind of switched off a little bit. It came down. Mm. Did it come down the the right yeah. of the pitch? Yeah, down um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah t- they had tons of space, didn't they? And and uh, um, I'm trying to remember it now. Help me out. Well, if there was if there was a mystery to solve this season, it would be where's our left back gone? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it was yeah. one of those. You know, was, we've had that yeah. a few times this season. I thought I thought in the midfield, I thought Klukas and Mikel did a brilliant job, and that was sort of the job that we want Lerma and Pearson to do yesterday. But they they just didn't. And I I thought Klukas played the through ball, the the right sided wing back had acres of space. You know, it was it was almost as if Rico was there because there was nobody. And, it, and he just fired it in across Begovic. Lovely, right. lovely finish, really. So Rico getting the blame for games now, even when he doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> but if you Sorry, watch the Jay, highlights yeah. reel of the goals against us this year, at some point in about 70% of the goals, you will see on the far right of your screen a left back appear just as the ball's about to go in the net with his head back running full pace. Yeah. Uh, nowhere near the guy who scores it. And it doesn't matter whether it's Kelly or Rico or on a couple of occasions, Adam Smith. It's always the same down that left. And I yeah. think a large large part of that is because Dan Juma, 
I know we we all get really excited if he does one tackle back a game, but he does mm. not play that role like Matt Ritchie played it. No. And I, I don't want to be too harsh on Rico because I thought Kelly had a shock yesterday. His first yeah. game back, he looked really rusty, looked, looked indecisive, looked like he'd never played with Dan Juma before. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. So on that on that right side then, Tiggs, Tom Jordan, who's not on the show today, he put out a poll on Twitter saying, if all of them are available, who would you start on the right a week on Monday? Right, these are the four options he put. He put okay. Brooks, he put Stanislas, he put Raquel May, he put Stacey. Have a guess at the order of which people are voting, because there was a, there's a fair cross-section, about 300 people who voted on it. Okay, I, I, I think this... I. Who I would pick is probably different, but I still think probably people would go with Brooks as Correct. their top. Yeah. yeah. Just because, you know, that people don't like change, do they? Uh, then I reckon people probably went for Stanislas. Correct. Yeah. Are you reading this? No. <laughs> Did you? I'm just guessing. Uh, yeah. Then now this is a toss up now because actually my favorite at the moment on form and although he hasn't done a lot, would probably be uh, Roro, Raquel May, because I think he's shown uh, that he wants, it's like Neil said, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. He looks like somebody who wants to try and do that. He's admitted that he's a bit lightweight in the news, so um, that's probably not the best thing for him to have done uh, to the Daily Echo. I don't know why he did that. Um, so I'm going to go I'm going to go with Raquel May next because we've seen him in that position more often. I hadn't seen that, honestly. So yeah. um, I do think that maybe Brooks... If we tried Brooks off the bench this season, because I just, I just wonder if he kind of thinks that that position yeah, is yeah, his. Yeah, yeah, we have, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I, I think, I think the player that has to play bizarrely is Stacey, but but I would play him at right back because we Adam Smith comes in. We know that he 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 never went around the outside like Frano used to. Adam Smith's natural tendency is to come across the pitch. We yeah. we end up coming in because Dan Juma comes in. Yeah. Um, Brooks comes in and then when Smith plays as well he comes in and it, everything condenses and no one goes wide outside the right so Stacey's a good shout for right wing to be honest but if because he's so direct and he gets in and makes things happen but I, I would I would take the punt and start him at right back um, I wouldn't play Raquel because Raquel also comes in and yesterday yeah. he he does that Spanish winger tiki-taka thing where he gets the ball slows things down comes in and looks for a little dink into the area. It just doesn't work for us because we haven't got a centre-forward that can receive it in turn. So we've got to have someone that hits the byline. And if it's not going to be Brooks, it should be Stacey coming outside him. It's a dilemma. It's a real dilemma. Yeah, I reckon he'll play Stacey in the second leg at right wing, assuming we get a 1-0 lead or any lead against Brentford in that first leg. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right with that because then you've got a bit more, you know, defensive mindset on that right-hand side. And that's where we've been, you know, struggling all season. And yeah, there have been certain positions throughout the season, I've got to say, that we've always had these conversations with. It's the left side of defence and it's also the right side of midfield. So hopefully that'll be ironed out in time. And yeah, 2-0 then to Stoke City. I think they thoroughly deserved it. They were well-drilled, but I think we, we made it easy for them. How bothered, Jeff, do you think Jonathan Woodgate should be? Because against Wickham, it was uh, very much, I'm not bothered. And it seems to now be talking stats in terms of, you know, we've won seven in the last 10 or whatever. We've also lost three out of the last three, Jonathan. Um, it's worrying playing a yeah. team that 
so rich it with in a rich vein of form like Brentford. I think he's doing that swan thing where he's trying to be serene and calm on the surface, but actually he's bricking himself beneath. Um, I would be with this group of players because you don't know you don't know what team's going to turn up, and we know they've got it within them. But the the inconsistency is the only consistent thing about this lot. Whether they turn up or not against Brentford, I actually feel they might because we were we were similarly bad in the second half against Barnsley when we lost 3-2 at home. Next yeah. game was a must-win. Swansea, we turned them over and played really well, 3-0. So we might get that sort of turnaround. They're capable of that sort of turnaround. They, um, Kelly came out yesterday and said they were all, all angry at their performance, which I thought was interesting because, well, do something about it then because you didn't show it on the pitch was what I wanted to say to that. It's uh, a point that I think is interesting is, has there ever been a team that's reached the playoffs that's had as la- lack of affinity amongst the fans? I know we're not in the ground, which yeah. doesn't help. But you think about it, at any point in our history, a side getting into the championship playoffs would be a side where we we would all name be able to name all the players for years to come off the top of our heads. Um, we've, I've had more affinity with teams that have gone in the, finished in the top 10 of League One for Bournemouth than I have with, with, this, with this side. There's, there's very few players that we you know, the fan base absolutely adore. And it, it almost, we, we almost, you know, we, we, we've had one of the best finishes this club's ever, ever had. But it almost, it feels like an anti-climax and it feels like we don't really have a huge love of the team. Is that me or is that, is that it's just no, a weird, weird Definitely. I mean, what, what what is there to love about this lot? You, you sort of see them play really well one week and then... Be, be invisible the next. It's it's difficult to to feel any enthusiasm. And, and yesterday, when they go a goal down, you look around and you think, where where are the leaders on this pitch that you can give the ball to and they'll do something and carry the team with them? It sure as heck wasn't Brooks yesterday, and he'd be one of those that you'd, you'd want it to be. And and others, you know, nobody steps up. Tiggs, well, you know, before we come to Tiggs, yeah. I was about to say, it's, I think it's also compounded by the fact that. I, you know, I find this season has been a soulless experience having to watch on the screen. Yeah, of course. There's, there's just yeah. no connection with the players at all. And I think that probably compounds it. Hmm. Um, whether it we'd be there at the stadium, I don't know whether it would be any better, Tiggs. I don't know if it would either. I mean, there is an argument you know, that the players need to connect with us as much as we need to connect with the players, I suppose. Um, but I think it just it just sums up the lack of characters. And I'm not, you know, the quality of the football that they can play is evident. We know that they are good footballers, um, but the lack of characters is a, is a worrying thing. I've got a picture behind me on the wall over here, and it's got lots of different footballers that have played for us. And I don't think any of our current lot would make it onto that picture. You know, uh, Steve Fletcher, Jason Pierce, Ted McDougall, just characters. And that's really what we lack. Um, and even when we do like the, the interviews after games, it's the same kind of tripe to be honest isn't it uh that the players come out with which does frustrate me an interesting stat as well I just want to add in a team coming sixth in the playoffs has not won the playoffs in 16 years yeah wow. however, however tiggs we are a seaside town who was the team that lost did it blackpool oh okay oh. yeah 
clutching its straws and just clutching its straws. They were, they they were quite the... unprepared, weren't they, for the Premier yeah. League, if I remember rightly? <laughs> and teams that begin with a B, teams that you begin with a B uh, come through more often than Two not. syllables, yeah. 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 Uh, what is football without hope, Jeff? Because this is probably one of the first seasons <laughs> in a long time where we've actually been expecting the team to do well. I can't remember any... In, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever had a season where I've actually expected it. But yeah. now we are, and we've been let down, but there's still the hope because we know what capability these players have of putting in a shift, even against Brentford, who we've lost to twice. If it was a funny old game. If we turn up, we could do it. You know what? We could, and I would not be surprised if we do get through, but equally... I'd not be surprised if we get comfortably beaten. And, and that's how ambivalent I feel about this team, that I could, I could see either. And I'm, I'm actually feeling, how, how am I going to celebrate if we beat Brentford? And I, I'm not sure, because we'll probably mess it up in the final if we do. You know, There's, they're, they're that frustrating. So there is hope. Uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, statistics around how good Brentford's form is. They beat us only three games ago. They look comfortable even with 10 men against us. We didn't really get any shots in that second half that I remember. Um, however, if if we can play as we can play and if we can finish, which we've been unable to do these last three games, when we get the chances, you know, one goal, a one-goal lead and we'll be completely different. If Billing scores an overhead kick like he did against Swansea, it'll be a completely different vibe. Mm, it would be, it would be, but you know, I can't also help but not think about this uh, run of results for Aston Villa that I brought up previously on the podcast as well. I mean, albeit it's not the three losses in a row, but yeah, they finished with a draw and a loss, albeit Norris City, great side. But then you see what they do. They've got the first leg at home. They beat West Brom. They then lose the second. They actually went to Penns and then they got promoted by beating Derby County in the final and then a premier league side and you know they were a side that i think they finished fifth rather than sixth they had that end of season run but there there was a bit of a blip and neil who's to say right we were all worried about the fact that and i've said this on the free floor before all this winning streak of seven games we were thinking at some point we almost need a circuit breaker to sort of reset because we can't go on like this forever who's to say that's not the same for a, a chain of losses as well Maybe these three games are what we needed, and then because we can't go on losing forever. No, it's less about it's less about wins. It's more about form um, because wins, draws, you know, can be a referee's decision. It's more about form. That's the we were on good form. We're now not on good form. We've got to turn that round in nine days of training. But if you want, you know, we, we've got to think. We've got to think positively. Uh, we know that we have the talent within the squad to beat anyone in the league because. Um, look at the points we took off the top two, but then look at the points we've took off the bottom three. Um, I saw that today. It's astonishing stat statistics of how I think we dropped eleven points, didn't we, against the bottom three this year? Now that they've been confirmed, um, so uh, you know which would have been enough, uh, I think, for uh, close on automatic promotion. Uh, so yeah, so it, we we have the absolute ability to be able to do it. Brentford have their notorious playoff hoodoo, which yeah. will be weighing on their minds. Um, and uh, we, if people play to their form, um, we can win. 
so it's you know it's not over by any shot of the imagination but like jeff said we will not be surprised if we have two performances like wickham and stoke either so it's going to be it's going to be interesting we don't deserve to go up let's be honest yeah. so that's that's the other thing we none of us will be sitting here the worst feeling i think with the playoffs is when you feel really hard done by there's been teams that have finished like 15 or 16 points ahead of teams that have beaten them in a playoff final with a scrappy goal you know so we we the, the one positive thing out of this is we will not come out of this feeling hard done by if we go up we won't have deserved to have gone up here are the odds Brentford seven to four, Bournemouth nine to four, Barnsley, and then Swansea. It's really interesting, you know, given where we finished, Tiggs, that we're second favourites. Mm. How's that? Yeah, it is really interesting. That's just based upon the fact that money has gone on us, isn't it? Yeah, you know, because people don't really know <laughs> how we've played for the last three games. <laughs> I think going into that Brentford game, um, I really hope we start it with a bang, because if we decide to treat it like. 180 minutes of football, like a boxing match, and go in, you know, a little bit tentative, and just trying to work out what Brentford are going to do. We are going to get absolutely mauled, I think. If we don't go in there and give ourselves something, some kind of lead, some kind of advantage, some kind of threat to, to Brentford to make them feel like, oh, wait a minute, you know, they, 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 they could hurt us, then we're going to be in so much trouble. But equally, I'd hate for us to have to be defending something in for 90 minutes of the next game because I can't see us doing that. So, you know, it needs to be kind of balls out attacking football. Otherwise, we're, I think we're done. Really. But that's Ivan just Tony, me. Ivan Tony's not scored against us, has he, this year? No. no so he's, only scored, yeah. he's only scored 31 <laughs> goals against everyone else. <laughs> yeah, but, but what, that, that, so he's their main outlet. And we've, Steve Cook has kept him, and Cameron Carterbeck has kept him quiet in two games. So I'm sorry, I'm just, Doing more straw clutching, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. But it, that 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 really that can help us if we snuff him out for two games again. Then we've got a good chance. Yeah, yeah. Brentford's form, Jeff. They, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, I'm just going from April. They won five you know, at Preston, nil nil at home against Millwall, a draw at home against Cardiff. They beat us, and that sparked a chain of results. So Brentford, uh, they beat Rotherham one nil at home. They beat Bristol City uh, 3-1 away. And before that, of course, they beat Watford 2-0. So, look, where do you think their heads are going to be at, knowing that they've got Bournemouth? Because they were probably fully expecting to play, you know, one of the other two sides. And now they're playing Bournemouth. Well, how do you think they're going to be dealing with this mentally? Or will it be any different? Well, it was interesting how they celebrated beating us. It was like they would won promotion when they beat us 1-0 a couple of weeks ago. It obviously meant a lot to them. They were wound up and they played with that intensity throughout the game and it felt like it was a huge achievement for them to beat us. Equally, I thought when when they beat us uh, at Christmas time, we actually played really well for the first 20 minutes when we went 1-0 up. You know, we were pinging the ball about. There was all pass and move. We looked we looked in a play, like we were playing in a different league to them. And then, you know, that kind of all faded and we ended up losing that game quite convincingly so how is it going to be I think I think the whole talking about us as the underdogs is a bit weird because I don't think they see themselves as the, the, the I think they see themselves as the underdogs against us because we've got the quality that we've got and if we can flip that around and maybe they feel a bit complacent going into this game um, and they feel that we're beatable and we might surprise them um, but it's 
it's going to take it's going to take a performance like the Swansea game where we finish our chances, where we're more ruthless in front of goal, where we play with intensity to match the opposition, where we don't get frustrated and give away loads of silly fouls, uh, which we did a bit again yesterday, but mostly that was against Wickham um, and against Brentford last time we played and we gave away loads of stupid fouls. And if we do that, if we play to our potential, we do have a chance because I'd rather have our front three playing than their front one. I mean, it feels weird, but we've we've got more scoring threat than they've got, except their scoring threat is Ivan Tony, and he, he's probably going to break his duck in these two games. But we know that <laughs> we know that when we turn up, Neil, it could be like Project Restart. We could turn in a performance like Leicester at home, or we could turn in a performance like Newcastle at home. We ain't yeah. got a clue, have we? No, we're not. We're not got a clue, which at least makes it interesting, I suppose. Because yeah. I, I spend the first fifteen minutes of each game trying to work out with my son which Bournemouth's turned up. And <laughs> yeah. Normally, around about fifteen to twenty minutes, you, you can get. You think this is this is the the Bournemouth we want to see, or you could pretty much say, "Let's go off and do something else," which I think he did when they scored yesterday because he said, "Well, we we know what's going to happen here," and uh, and he was right. So because. All, all that played out was what what we expected. So so it's Monday night. Looks like we've got fans in as well, doesn't it? So I managed to enter the ballot. That was probably harder entering the ballot than winning the playoffs. So uh, <laughs> managed, managed to get it done eventually last night. So yeah, so fans in. Uh, I always think fans gives us an advantage because our ground with two thousand in is is twenty percent full, uh, whereas everyone else's ground with two percent in is about ten percent full, isn't it? So we can get. Is it two thousand that we would be allowed? Tiggs, do you know this? Uh, it's a quarter-ish, but I think we last time we did this, we aired on the side of caution. So mm. we sort of, I think we went for about two thousand, didn't we? We looked at yeah. it as like an eight thousand seater stadium rather than a, um, you know, I mean, who? I expect the boxes are full at the top, yeah. but yeah. they'll be full, won't they? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it is two thousand now. Mm. Playing at home first, Jeff, does it make a difference? I think it probably does. I, th- I think Brentford will sit deep, try and frustrate us maybe hit us on the break a bit like they did when they played us a few weeks ago. And um, we've got to be good enough to break them down. So, yeah, I think uh, I'd wish we were playing the, the the home leg second, but we're not. We're going to have to be a bit cagey, but also uh, be brave and get more than a, a one-goal lead to take to their place. Hmm. We really didn't manage it well, did we? I was just listening to Jeff thinking about it then. We didn't, we didn't manage this situation well. The, what we didn't want with three games to go, we had three games with it in our destiny, and what we didn't want was Brentford, and we didn't want to be, and if we had Brentford, we didn't want to be at home first, and that's what we've ended up with. Yeah. When we had three relatively simple games to manage that situation into something different, and I wonder if it doesn't work out, and he doesn't keep his job, because I don't think he will if we don't go up. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate might bitterly regret that for a long period in his life mm. yeah, yeah well we should have got a point shouldn't we when we played Brentford at home we should have at least got a point a nil-nil against 10 men should have been at least achievable and then we sh- we should have beaten Wickham we had enough chances to beat Wickham Brooks hitting the bar do you remember that you know and, and Sam missing that easier yeah. easy chance where he finished like like me rather than like him and <laughs> You know, those sorts of one point is the difference between us avoiding Brentford 
than playing them. And again, you know, we just sort of messed it up. But maybe, you know, this is also a team that likes to challenge. So mm. yeah. got that. If, we, if we beat Brentford, I, I I would say we would be nailed on to win. Because I think the one thing I wanted us to have before we played Brentford, which is why I would have liked to have played Swansea, is momentum back. Yeah. But if we do beat Brentford, we'll go into the final against either Barnsley or Swansea with momentum. So that's another positive for you, Sam. That's good. I like a positive. Uh, and Kirk was saying on the free-for-all over the weekend that he would prefer to be knocked out in the semi-final if we were going to get knocked out rather than in the final. Tiggs, are you of that equation? Because at least you haven't got the mental pain of having got to Wembley and feeling the heartache of, a, of an 89th minute winner or even a, a winner in the second minute or whatever. You got to Wembley and you are all that little bit closer. But if, if we are going to get knocked out, it, it probably would be against Brentford, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I would rather get knocked out in the final just for the fact that if we don't get promoted this season, we know what the project next season is going to be. And it's not going to be the same. And we're not going to have the same players. So let's keep them for as long as we can. Let's keep them for another game at the very least. Uh, even if we're not going to go up, you know, we, we may as well. Because once this season's over, the writing's on the wall as to where this football club's going. In my opinion, unless unless Mr. Demin has very deep pockets and he wants to still shell out more money, which is um, you know credit to him if he does. But I wouldn't at the moment, personally. Um, and he didn't this year. No. So that, that kind of gives you the indication you want, because I think we spent 250 grand, didn't we? So in player signings. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Jeff, can a team that is really angry after a defeat, is that enough to counteract a team that is just in the flow winning week after week? We'll find out. I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. It's like it's like Neil. I think I'm going to play that game, Neil. 15, 20 minutes in, see what sides turned up because with this lot, you just really have no idea how they're going to play. And it that's also what's so worrying. It's not just one or two players who have off games, and you know the others step up. They they have a collective failure yeah. to play as a team. Yesterday mm. being a case in point, and. I really, really want to believe that we can play as a team in a game that really matters, matters to those players and their careers, matters to the fans, matters to the club and its future and its success. If if they're not motivated, and maybe maybe it will help them to feel that they've been written off because Brentford have beaten us twice. You know, this, this sort of um, sparked to give them that, motivation and kick up the backside maybe this is just what they need if we were playing Swansea and Barnsley and expected to win maybe they wouldn't have turned up in those games because they'd have felt oh it's all too easy this is tough for our players show us what you're made of it does feel like uh, over the last three games that like Woodgate said he's got sixth you know def- at least we've got playoffs and it's that cliche isn't it players and managers don't look at the league table well clearly not <laughs> because they, they just just thought, oh, we've done it, have we? Oh, fair enough. I'll just turn up and do whatever I want. And you know, there was doesn't feel like there was anything to spur those players on in the last three games. So again, clutching at straws. Going to go with Jeff on this. I think, yeah, maybe this is what we need. Maybe we need the hardest opponents that we yeah. can possibly get because they're not going to raise their game otherwise. 
Yeah, no. and, and we didn't, and we haven't had anything to play for for three games. So, yeah. whoever it was, Sam, who you said said that, uh, was it someone on Quest? Um, I don't know, but, but yeah, whoever said that is 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 technically it's correct that yeah. we didn't have anything to play for yesterday, but we will have something to play for on Monday. So that that hopefully that might switch them on. It certainly switched them on when they played Norwich and Watford in the season. Yeah. Like Neil, as a football fan, do you prefer to almost go into things pessimistically and then anything better than that is uh, a nice surprise? Or do you want to be going into this mentally feeling confident and then experiencing the heartache of feeling, well, well completely moribund after a defeat? I think it's more that's less of a football fan thing and more of a psychological mm. discussion that, that, on life, isn't it? Um, so personally... I'd rather go into things pessimistically and, and then yeah. if things work out all right, I feel better about it. There's nothing worse than... Uh, yeah, so, so I can think of games before where we had to win to get in the playoffs and we were playing teams that were quite poor and we lost 1-0 at home uh, and going back to sort of like League, league One days. But when you went into the game thinking, well, we're on form... They're not. They've got nothing to play for, and you and then you lose. I think it was Wrexham, wasn't it? it was one of the sides that did it to did it to us, and that's that's the you know that's awful. That's really awful. Had we lost to Bolton and Charlton in those last two games of the Championship season, that would have been awful. With with yeah. you know the with the the optimism and the wonderful way that side played. So yeah, I'm I'm quite. I probably prefer to go into this thinking it's Brentford. They've beaten us twice. Uh, let's get this whole shit show of a season over and get on the beach and come back next year and watch a load of League One signings finish in the bottom. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Back to normal. Back to normal. It's just, but it's just that little bit of hope, isn't it? It's just that little bit of yeah. hope. But the thing is, though, Jeff, it's you know we would all like to get promoted, but we don't necessarily like the product that we'll be put into. A product with VAR being treated as customers rather than fans. I mean, that kind of style is filtering into the EFL anyway. But we know what the Premier League is like. It's it, it's not amazing, but we're all really concerned about the legacy that this club could create. We didn't after five years, but you know the cash might help to build the training ground and get that finished. Why do you want to get promoted? Want to beat Chelsea again? That'd be nice. Want to complete the uh, so-called top six um, victories that we haven't completed yet. So I'd love to beat Manchester City still. Um, what else would I like to see? I'd like to see us. Um, I'd like to see us relegate Newcastle with uh, Fraser in the side. I'd like to see that happen. Um, so yeah, you know there are things to look forward to in the Premier League. I think it takes, but you know. If we do get promoted, it would be a shame that we weren't able to get to the stadiums this year because there are so many eclectic little grounds within the championship, like Luton and you know Wickham, who haven't been there for a long time. And it's just a shame that we haven't been able to experience those type of grounds. But hey-ho, that's how it goes, eh? Yeah, we were all looking forward to that, weren't we? Um, that, if you can dig it out, that video of the, the tier list of stadiums that you and Tom did at the beginning of the season, um, and I was I was licking my lips, thinking oh, it'd be great to go to some of these places, especially the newer ones that I've never ever seen. Um, I was excited about, um, but you know, Premier League's Premier League, and I do do get a sense that if we do go up, it, it won't be long with the <laughs> European Super League going on that we they might kind of shut the trap door on that whole kind of thing. So uh, you know, get the money while we can and run. I'd love I'd like to do that. I think if we did go up, 
Take the money and run. Yeah. So sum up the season then, Neil, because we've had our 46 games. We've got the bonus three games where we can somehow still do it. But it, it feels it feels like a fraud in some ways that we're even in this position, to be honest. <laughs> well, it, 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 yeah. I mean, I, we, we've got... We've got the the most talented set of individuals in that in the league. I know people dispute that, but I stand by it. So I think I think on paper we had the most talented set of individuals in the league. Um, we made a dis, we made a disastrous management appointment. Um, we've gone through this a number of different times. So because of that, we didn't make the most of the season. It's been stop or start. They've never developed a cohesion. They've never the. the, the played all sorts of ridiculous formations that didn't suit them. We managed to get rid of that manager. We brought in a plan B that was a very, very much a plan B. We didn't have a someone lined up. Um, and he's. I think he's marginally better than Jason Tindall. But again, he benefits from having a superb squad of individuals. He's lined them up in a better way, so he's got better results. But I don't think he's a top-class manager. Um, uh, uh, and again, I think if he was, we would have come closer to promotion again although we left it late um and like we said it's it's been disparate um with little flashes of what we knew were capable of some wonderful individual goals which sum up the individual talent that's in the team um Stanislas Danjuma you know the, the Philip Billing have all, all scored goals that will win goal of the season in any in any year uh and the fans haven't been in so it, it, it's been a really surreal season it's also gone remarkably quickly it seems to me to me with we we're already looking at you know watching the promotions and relegations in other league thinking blimey it doesn't seem like that long since we were doing that and of course it wasn't because the season before got delayed but um so yeah it's 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 very very odd really surreal season for me doesn't feel real, does it, Neil? Like no. to me, it feels like a game of championship manager, football manager. Yeah, exactly. now, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't doesn't yeah. quite feel real because it's not tangible to us no. as, as much as it it normally is. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to be able to feel some atmosphere, wouldn't it, before the season's out? Jeff, your thoughts on the season? Uh, I started the season thinking, I wonder, if, I wonder if we'll finish first or second. Oh certainly after about the first sort of seven or eight games. So right up until that Sheffield Wednesday game, I was feeling pretty confident that we'd be automatic. And uh, then since the Brentford game, it's been a slide, the first Brentford game, it's been a slide to, oh, this is horrific to watch this. You know, we're paying £10 every game to watch it and endure what we've had to endure has been pretty bad, and I think it's that that quality versus performance. It, the whole I just don't get the how big a gap it is between how good the players are to what we see, and we've had all season to get better at it, and we're still we're still doing exactly what we did in some of those games back in January, um, where where it fell apart because. Teams have figured us out, play against us a certain way, and it's boring to watch. We'll end on a positive, though. Tiggs, tell me why Bournemouth only get promoted. You tell me why. Come on. Because of our wage bill? No. Uh, because... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we'll get promoted because uh, we've got players who want to put themselves in the shop window and uh, they've got two, maybe three games now where they're going to be on Sky uh, and they'll want to play their hearts out for that. And we've got other players, younger players, who, you know, they want to make a name for themselves. So I think we will get promoted. I think this is the time that the players will come together and they've got one short little season 
to just perform their best for and uh, they'll be a bit more vocal. That's what I think. Jeff? I think we'll get promoted because one of the happiest days of my life was Brentford 1995, 2-1. Nobody gave us a hope. They were flying. We were battling against relegation. Steve Jones, Scott Mean. I can put myself in a happy place by closing my eyes and reliving that day again and again and again. And Neil, I know you hate to do this, but go on, tell us why, tell us how it can be done. No, I was just thinking, I hope Mrs. Hayward's not living, listening to <laughs> what what Jeff closes his eyes and thinks of to put himself in a happy place. <laughs> the, um, uh, we are going to get promoted because the footballing gods will not let Brentford go up. Wow. They won't. They never wow. have. They never have. Via the playoffs, they won't let them go up. So who do? No, we'll get we'll get promoted because we uh, we've got a three game season, and players like Steve Cook will and Adam Smith will get everyone fired up, and they'll want yeah. the wages and the trappings that come back of the Premier League. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, gents. Thank you very much for today. Really appreciate it, Tiggs. Cheers, mate. Thank you, mate. Up cherries. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers. Up the cherries, Sam. And until the next one, Neil. Up the cherries. I'm Jack Stacey and you're listening to Back of the Net. Brilliant to chat to the boys there. I always say that, don't I? But it was brilliant and it's almost therapy on a Sunday now. That chat is always on YouTube on Sunday night. But uh, as you're a podcast listener, you've got it on Monday morning. So just a heads up if you do want to hear it early. Check out our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, it certainly would be poignant if Cherries were to earn promotion this season because this year marks the 50th anniversary of Bournemouth's very first promotion season. And on YouTube, we relive that very campaign with Keith Miller, star of the season, and also club historian Neil Vacher. Neil is also the author of Goal Along With The Cherries, a new book that tells the story of that promotion. And Keith Miller, yeah, a playing legend of our club for much of the 1970s, clocked up 383 appearances, 19 goals, and a man who made his debut in that infamous season. If you want to win a copy of the Goal Along With The Cherries book, just go to AFCB podcast.com slash book and all you got to do is like a tweet that's it no question to answer uh, afcbpodcast.com slash book that'll take you to our twitter and uh, just like the tweet that's in front of you and then on tuesday we're going to be picking out a winner but you can also buy it on the afcb superstore right no podcast next monday but it's going to be squeaky bum time brentford wow over two legs can we do it we'll have you covered on the youtube channel and also we'll get the pot out asap too for now though thanks for tuning in to back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast richie maybe on walker Sands in.
Social Podcast Network.